The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Very nice to be here with you. I'd like to thank each and every one of you. That, that would be approximately 184 thank yous. And at this point, I'd rather take your calls. The number to get onto the program is 877. Let that sink in. 573, let that sink in, 7825, or you can remember it more easily in three simple bits of memory, 877-57-EQUAL, 57 as in a variety of calls that we get, and equal in terms of everybody is a winner here. We have participation calls. That's right. All calls are equal in respect. 877-57-EQUAL. If you'd like to get onto the program, I get, uh, I don't know, dozens and dozens of requests from HR people or agents, authors. I'd like to be on your show. I'd like to be on your show. But you're the only ones on the show. You're my guests. I, I don't have guests. You're it. You're my guests. Besides, if I had a guest that I couldn't talk as much, that's a factor. It's definitely a factor. Uh, if you call in, it could be something about a circumstance in your life. It could be something you'd like to weigh in on regarding somebody else's call. Do that. It could be something you don't understand about the world of psychology. Obviously, I don't know everything about psychology. Matter of fact, in trivia, we had two subjects in the past year and on psychology, and I missed them both. Yeah. Well, how would that happen? Well, one of them was um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and what, what were the middle needs. I mean, I know the top needs and the bottom needs, but I didn't know the middle needs. You kind of get lost in the middle there. Besides, it's only a personality theory from way back, but I didn't know it. Blew that one. So, <clears throat> 877-57-equals the number. This last time I'm going to invite you to the TV show in Birmingham on Tuesday, next week, the 16th. Four shows at the studios of EWTN. If you'd like to be in the audience, we'd love to have you. Go to EWTN.com. That's easy enough, right? EWTN.com. Forward slash... Dr. Ray Live, Dr. Ray Live, and there's four shows you can sign up for. We've got uh, just found out we got a family of five boys coming in. That's kind of neat. Like the kids in the audience, the kids, kids add a lot to the show. They add youth. 
So that's uh, that's great. Love to have you. If you'd like to be on, this will be the last time I will make the invite because next week we're uh, heading down to EWTN. Plus, if you don't like the show, you can roam around the EWTN grounds. It's a beautiful place, holy place, lots of neat stuff there. No pictures of me at all. I keep bringing them, and I don't know what they do with them, but they, they get rid of them. I, I, fought, I fought Facebook for, for a long time, and I decided, okay, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to try to connect, make friends with people using Facebook principles. I'll apply the same Facebook techniques of connection. So what I do now is when I'm walking down the street and I see somebody that I don't know, I tell them what I've eaten that day, how I feel at that moment, what I did the night before, what I'll do later, who I'm going to be hanging around with. Yeah, yeah. I give them pictures of my family, my dog, me washing the car, taking things apart in the garage, mowing the lawn, driving around town, having lunch, pretty much doing what anybody and everybody does every day. I listen to, I listen to their conversations, and I give them a thumbs up, thumbs up. And uh, I tell them I like them. And it's working. It is really working. I already have four followers. Yep. Two police officers, a private investigator, and a psychiatrist. Did I get Tank's consent to be on Facebook? You know, Tank passed away. The big 110-pound rot that we had passed away probably about, uh, about a year ago now, a year and a half ago. His sister, Delta, she's not as big. She's about 90 pounds. She's there, and she's definitely more girl than he was. Tank just was kind of laying around. He was cool. You know, Delta, she, she's protected us. She's protected us from uh, nine plastic bags going around our backyard. She's protected us from multiple birds. Uh, well, she hasn't done anything to them. She just lets us know they're there. Uh, pretty much every Amazon package deliverer, yeah, yeah. That's it. She She's making sure they're not going to do any harm to us. Mm-hmm. Nice to have you. Somebody comes into my office, marriage counseling, and I might make a suggestion uh, that one of the spouses, and more often the guy, to be more affectionate. His spouse is, is craving the slightest morsel of it. An answer I get might be, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm just not an affectionate person. Or I might suggest in a marriage conflict that the wife be a little more reluctant to get into arguments with the guy's dad. And she says... Well, I'm just an assertive person. That's me. I'm assertive. When we say that that's not me, I think a lot of the time it means that's not what I want to do. Okay, I understand that if somebody says, uh, would you like to to go to that party and uh, have a drink? And no, that's not me. That's understandable. That's not a preference. But if it is something that would do good, for example, uh, you got an aunt. She's uh, 88. She's in a nursing home. And uh, 
her daughter, her daughter who's 57, asks you if you want to go visit her. Uh, uh, that's 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 I don't know that that's that's not my scene. That's just not my scene. What's that really saying? You have a chance to do something good. You have a chance to do something charitable, but you're hiding behind some kind of created persona. That's not who I am. Well, I know, I know that more exercise would be good for me, but ah, mm, uh, that's just that's just not my style. Well, if you know something would be good for you, if you know something would be good for somebody else. Can you really hide behind that's not me? Because what you're saying is I, I don't want to do that. If, if you will permit me to draw a parallel and use more psychobabble lingo, it's not in my comfort zone. Comfort zone. What a great line. It, it basically says, here, I've, I've got an excuse for not doing something that is not easy for me to do. When somebody says that's not me, are they hiding? Are they are they saying you're asking me to do something that I really wouldn't prefer to do? Now, if it's not a if it's not a moral or charitable issue, I can understand that. For example, somebody might say to me, uh, "Hey Ray, uh, we're going to go golfing." On Tuesday, I go, eh, I'm not a golfer. Well, that's not a moral issue. That's not anything that would uh, test my virtue, if you will. But what if somebody says, um, boy, they need volunteers at church. Uh, you're free Friday night, aren't you, Ray? They need a volunteer. Oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't like volunteering. I'm just not a volunteer type. What am I saying? Am I saying I've already established what I will and will not do according to the traits that I ascribe to myself as a person? I hear that an awful lot in counseling. I hear it a lot in everyday conversation. That's not who I am. And I'm tempted to say, well, Maybe it should be who you are. If you claim to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, maybe you ought to alter who you are to have a more charitable who you are. There's a lot of things I would prefer not to do. And I could say, uh, nah, that's not me. I know it's a good thing to do, and therefore I better work at getting over me. 877-573-7825. equal is the number to get on to the program. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dr. A. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. 
You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. We can't understand what's going on in America if we don't recognize that America has come under the sway of a false god. America is now controlled by a twisted understanding of freedom. It's my right and I'll do what I want. We were definitely made to exercise freedom, but it's freedom under God. It's freedom to do as we ought, not freedom to do as we wish. We were not created to exercise self-will, self-law, self-rule, apart from God our Creator. America's emphasis on individual autonomy is an idolatrous distortion even a replacement of the original American ideal of ordered liberty. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. He was a doctor of the church and one of the most famous saints of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Augustine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, but he balanced his genius with humility. Once declared it was pride that changed angels into devils, it is humility that makes men as angels. He died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Pieces of instrumentation. Saxophone. Sounds like a tenor sax. And the brushes on the drums. Just cool. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Grady. Combination of virile femininity, masculine sensitivity, and physical spirituality. We had a father on hold uh, at the end of the show last week. And true to our promise, he is first up. He's calling from Ohio. Hello there, sir. Hi, thank you for talking to me again, doctor. Anytime. Um, yeah, Anytime. I was, I was uh, telling you about uh, my son who graduated uh, with a psychology degree a few years ago, couldn't get a job in his field. Uh, he now he now works in construction. Um, he lives at home. He spends uh, a fair amount of time with his uh, with his girlfriend. Um, he's uh, very smart, very verbal, uh, very quick witted. Uh, hey, sound, hey, wait! He sounds just like me. <laughs> well, he can be a little rough on you too sometimes. Okay, I, that's me. That's me. <laughs> so, so sometimes when I ask him to do things, then he uh, he gets a little angry with me, and he comes out with some witty response why he shouldn't have to, and, uh, and things like that. So, so <clears throat> I want to start. I want to start. <clears throat> Start, uh, he's our last child in the house. I want to start charging him rent. Um, I'm afraid that if I can't do it uh, with him in a good mood, then he's going to blow up with me. And uh, so, frankly, I get afraid 
at challenging him to do things that I think are for his uh, that are for his uh, betterment. I get afraid because he because of how he might respond. You're afraid he'll and, uh, just get verbally nasty, or he'll punch you in the head. Uh, no, the former. Okay, so he'll just he just gets nasty. And and but you know, other times he he's he's super great, he's super loving, and stuff like that. But many times he just goes up and uh, stays in his room. Uh, he doesn't take care of his personal spaces up there. They're dirty. Doesn't clean them. And uh, so I want to start charging him rent. I want to start being harder on him. I want him to start having more financial freedom. Force him to because, and he's supposed to be getting a better job. And I think he just goes up there. If he's not with his girlfriend, he goes up there and plays games instead of looking for a job. And How old is he? How old is he, sir? Uh, he graduated uh, about three years ago from college. He's 25, 26. So mid-20s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting because you say uh, several times that you wanted to do certain things, but it, it's almost sounding like you're afraid to do those things. That's true. That's true. I'm afraid to ask him to do things because... When I do, like if I ask him, oh, clean up the dishes, and then he, he might say, well, you didn't clean up yours yesterday. You know, he's very observant, very smart, great memory. And well, I wouldn't call that a great memory. I'd call that manipulation. The irony is okay. you didn't clean yours up yesterday. Yeah, but it's your house. He's, yeah. he's basically making himself equal to you in terms of stewardship of that house it's your house you've bought it you've paid the bills your your name is on all the bills that come to the door so for him to say well you don't either is not really smart it's just nasty hmm. now okay i mean i love him a lot i wouldn't call him nasty but i will i will call him we'll sounds... say that he aggressively defends his borders oh. <laughs> Okay, all right, I guess. Okay, we could use that euphemism. So what is keeping you from doing what you know would be good? Uh, I'm trying to, trying to I'm, 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 I guess I'm always waiting for the best time to do it. Like he'll come in, he'll... He'll eat, he'll go up to his room, he won't be in a good mood, and I say, okay, I'm not going to talk to him now. I'm going to wait until maybe we're, maybe I'll take him out to dinner and get him in a good mood and get him talking and talk with him or something like that. Okay, well, let me help you out. The- let me help you out. I don't think you have to worry about what's a good time, because I don't think there is any good time. It depends how you define it. If you say, well, there are times when I'll put some conditions upon him that he won't be as resistant as he would be at other times, okay. But I don't think it sounds like, from what you're saying here, Dad, that no matter how temporarily agreeable he is to what you say, he's not going to do it. 
So I don't know if there is any good time to tell him something he doesn't want to hear. It sounds like what you're saying is, I'm going to have to tell him these things and face his wrath. What it sounds like. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm afraid of that. Well, there's two things. One, are you afraid of it because you simply don't like to face that kind of nastiness? Nope, nope. Wait, let me correct that. His aggressive defense of his boundaries. Or are you afraid he won't like you? No, it's more the former than the uh, okay than the latter. Well, I and, guess it, and it's of note that that I'm getting my wife more and more on board with my position to be hard on him. Uh, I knew it. I was going to ask about your wife. I was going to ask where she is with all this because it sounds like you've been dealing with this for several years, and finally you're saying enough is enough. And you haven't up to this point because your wife hasn't been on board. But now she's saying, I'm getting a little tired of his conduct, too. Here's, I think here is the conclusion, sir. At some point, you're going to tell him. If not now, two years from now, when you've really had enough. You're going to tell him. And when you do tell him, there's no way to avoid he's going to be mad. No way. No way. In his view... He has every right to live at your house as easily and freely as he wants. And when you attempt to say, no, I'm not helping you, son, by letting you do this, um, he's going to get upset. I don't know if there's any way to avoid it. So you're going to have to brace yourself and say, this is what I'm expecting, son. Uh, And then he'll get all upset. I don't know any way around it, sir. All righty. Thank you for the call. You're, you're, you're very welcome. Thank you for the call. Uh, oh, man. Max, I'm telling you, I'm going to save you till after the break because that that is something that theologians have wrestled with up one side and down the other. Oh, man. So stay there, Max, after the break. Jennifer from San Antonio. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. What makes you think that it's as as simple a difference as this person is either a narcissist or he's a jokester? Well, because I've known one in the past, and I don't want to fall in the trap of whether or not a person would be a narcissist in the future. Should I ever find someone in the future, I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody that would be one. Well, I wouldn't use joking or humor as the telltale uh, differentiation between whether somebody's completely self-centered or they're funny, because I'm self-centered and I'm trying to be funny. But actually, given that, uh, if you use the word narcissist, which is a very broad term, and it used it used to be a term that was limited to a clinical diagnosis, narcissistic personality disorder. And if you ever read the description of a narcissistic personality disorder, this 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 is a significant maladjustment in a human being. Okay? We use narcissist now in everyday language. And we use it kind of to mean self-centered, self-absorbed, self-focused, to the exclusion of thinking about others, relating well to others. 
you would you would probably here's 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 my best suggestion on getting a, a handle on whether somebody is self-centered narcissistically get to know them you got to get to know them for a fair amount of time you got to see them in a number of circumstances with a number of people you got to see how they relate to people you got to see their tolerance level you got to see their ability to understand why you think the way you do to listen to it to hear it to accept it you got to see if their way is the only way and if you don't cater to their way then you're wrong all those things have to come out in your interaction with the person and with that person's interaction with others as you observe it so that's the way to do it you look at a broad sense of what is this person like who are they with other people and with me and do they have a lot of characteristics that are hard to deal with this is dr ray Connection with Teresa Tomio. I often have people ask me, aren't you scared when you talk about the issues such as abortion or uh, all the different ideologies, especially the gender ideology? I say, I'm scared of what I don't say if I'm not using this platform that God gave me wisely and well. If I'm not sharing information with people, if I'm not sharing the truth of the Catholic faith, I'm going to be held accountable, as is any one of us who has a platform. And we all have a platform. The sizes and the extent are different, but every single person, especially if you have a computer and if you have a Facebook page or a Twitter account, you have a platform. And so we're all responsible to evangelize. And we may be fearful, but we move through that fear with trust that God is with us. He tells us he will give us the words. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Does Jesus always answer our prayers? The Catholic Catechism says yes, Jesus always answers prayers offered in faith and quotes our Lord who said, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The Catechism cites three examples where Jesus reacts to three different kinds of prayer. The prayer of faith is expressed by the leper, the Canaanite woman, and the good thief. The prayer of petition is exhibited in the action of the bearers of the paralyzed man and the hemorrhaging woman, who is healed by merely touching Jesus' cloak. Finally, urgent prayer is heard from the lips of the blind men. Have mercy on us, son of David. This is remembered today as the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. St. Augustine parses this prayer thusly. Jesus prays for us as our priest in us as our head, and is prayed to by us as our God. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Attempting to improve your mind by the minute. Raising your IQ into the intellectual stratosphere very nice to have you with me i'm dr ray grandy program doctor is in all right i'm going to max from new mexico Uh, i'm nervous about this call i'm very very nervous about this call because i have heard so many people much more erudite than myself debate this 
coming down on both sides of the issue. Uh, I, I suppose the best thing I can do for Max is to give a summary of both sides of the issue as I have tried to understand it. Hi, Max. How are you? Hi, Dr. Ray. I'm doing well. I why couldn't, you, hey, why couldn't really... you ask something easy? Like, uh, my kid won't go on the pot. What do I do? You know? I would, but I don't have any kids. So. Oh, man. <laughs> I got to say, you're really helping me by taking my call today, though, because I just got my wisdom teeth out a few days ago, and it still hurts a lot, and I can't grow the teeth back. But I figured what better way to grow the wisdom back than to call you? That's what I was going to say. I'm glad you took the words out of my mouth or teeth out of my mouth or whatever. That's right, because oh. you've lost some wisdom, and I hopefully I can make up to, for it in this one segment. Hopefully. You sound unsure of yourself. I am nervous about this, Max. <laughs> yeah, so my question is, I mean, I've never heard you talk about this before, and I've heard a lot of different answers. It's, you've probably heard it before. If Nazis show up to your door and you're in Germany and you're hiding Jews in your house and they ask you, they're trying to be quick, so they just ask you, yes or no, are you hiding Jews in your house? Is it wrong to say no to them? I don't think it is because it's a time of war, assuming you're in World War II. It's killing is okay in war. And I would say stealing is okay in war. You talked about Father Emil Kapan recently. He stole food from the Koreans to feed the, feed the other prisoners in his camp. I don't think there was anything wrong with that. So I think similarly, there's nothing wrong with lying to the Nazis to save the lives of the Jews in this case. And furthermore, I was reading some of Aristotle last semester for school, and he talks about the doctrine of the mean, which basically is like, right and wrong, the exact right and wrong thing to do is dependent on the circumstance. So I think lying on this case is not the same as lying to your parents or your priest. And it's not lying to keep your own, like, sinful wrongdoing hidden or to yourself. It's to save the lives of innocent people who are otherwise going to be tortured and killed. So I don't think there's anything wrong with lying to the Nazis if you think it'll save the lives of the Jews. Well, so Max, you, yeah, you said an interesting thing. You said uh, Aristotle uh, refers to the mean, the golden mean, um, and it depends, something is wrong or not, depends upon the situation. Now, that gets frightfully close to situation ethics. Now, in this case, you picked a very extreme example. You said, all right, I believe it is okay to lie to someone who is intending to kill somebody. Okay. And there are people who would agree with you, and I've seen theologians agree with you, and I've seen people wrestle with that. I've seen people try to get around it by saying, uh, are you hiding Jewish people here? And then you answer, why would I hide Jewish people? You think something's wrong with me? In other words, you didn't say yes or no, but you more or less implied why would i do that that's stupid why would i do something like that that's ridiculous see that's now, one answer i've heard but i also think i mean i've had someone try to lie to me before by not giving me a yes or no answer i saw right through it immediately so i think the nazis could too and also 
if my parents were asking me about some wrongdoing that I had done and I was, and I had done it and I was just trying to dodge the question like, Oh, well, why do you think I do that? Are you, I think that would be wrong to do as well. Well, let's, let's cloud it up here, Max. Let's cloud it up a little bit. Let's say that uh, your parents ask you if you did something and if you were to admit it, they would hate your girlfriend because of it. Okay. Now what? I'm a bit confused of what the circumstance would be. Well, let's say that you and your girlfriend did something quite immoral. All right. And they're asking you, did you? And you know that if you admit to it, that they would say, well, she's not welcome here. We, we, we can't believe this. Uh, she's not for you. And as long as we're alive, it's going to take us a long time to even think about forgiving her. What then? Huh. See how you see how it's not kind sure. of yes. Yeah, fu- you see how it's fuzzy because when you say now it's easy enough to say well okay the, the Nazis want to kill a Jewish person therefore I'm not going to tell them the truth. All right now some could say well you're not lying because the Nazis don't have any right to know that they don't have any right to know that it's not it's yeah, not I within agree. their circle of knowledge. Okay got that. But then what happens is, and this is where it gets fuzzy, at one, what what point? Let, let's say, okay, here's another one. Your dad asks you if your brother did something. And you know what your brother did wasn't all that serious. But if you said yes, you knew that your dad was just going to flail on your brother. Your dad has that kind of temper. And if you if you say yeah, Dad, he he did it, and your dad is just going to not discipline him. He he's just going to just unload on him, not necessarily verbally either. Now what? It seems like the circumstance though would be that uh, saving him from unjust punishment. But I guess though, if it's your dad, then you can't lie to your dad. And then who says what punishment is unjust? Let's say that let's say that you say, well, if I tell him this, my dad is going to ground him for a month. And that is just over the top. That is way beyond any consequence for what he did. And I know that if he does that to my brother, that'll throw my brother into an emotional funk and I don't think he'll pull out of it. Now what? Yeah, dang, it does get foggy. <laughs> yes, it does, my friend. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's easy enough to live on the extremes because you can say, hey, that's pretty clear to me. But then it gets down to the point where, okay. Now, I, I've seen the side that says you don't lie no matter what. You just don't lie no matter what because the truth speaks for itself and the consequences of following the truth can be ugly or unpleasant. I, I've seen that side. Um, I think the reality is most people will decide when it's right or wrong to lie. And I'll tell you, with a lot of the teenagers I deal with, they believe it's perfectly right to lie regarding anything that their friends do because to be a narc is the worst thing in the world you could possibly be. 
Max, you sound like a thinker to me. Good, good stuff, sir. But don't ever let those kinds of questions take you away from the faith. Hello and welcome to this segment of The Crux of the Matter. I'm Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy. Sundays and Holy Days require of the Catholic Christian obligatory Mass attendance. Why is this? Precisely because we love God, not because we fear Him. The Second Vatican Council teaches that the sacred liturgy is above all things the worship of the Divine Majesty. God calls us to Himself, and we want to respond to that call with sacred worship. Apart from illness, for example, the Church teaches that the faithful are obliged to participate in the celebration of the sacred liturgy on all Sundays and holy days of obligation. This is a grave obligation, in fact, and to willfully neglect it can cause one to commit mortal sin. In fact, every Sunday is a holy day of obligation. The Code of Canon Law states clearly that Sunday, on which by apostolic tradition the Paschal Mystery is celebrated, is to be observed in the universal church as the primary holy day of obligation. Other examples of holy days of obligation apart from Sunday itself include the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, on January 1st, the Assumption of Mary on August 15th, and the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin on December 8th. While there are other holy days of obligation established throughout the world, such as the Ascension of Our Lord and the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, National bishops' conferences can dispense the faithful from the obligation for a just reason and even transfer a holy day to be observed on a Sunday. As faithful sons and daughters of the church then, friends, let us remember too that faithfully attending Mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation brings with it not only an observance of the third commandment, but also a faithful adherence to a formal precept of the church as well. This is the crux of the matter. God bless you, and thanks for joining us. Ah, uh, Maureen, what are you doing? I was all excited. You are going to fluff me up, and then you just left. Tom from Omaha, Nebraska, KVSS. Good Lord permitting, I'm going to go out there and spend some time with those folks at Spirit Catholic Radio because they got 25 years on the air. And I've been with them 20 of those years. Uh, Yeah, they picked me up right out of high school. And uh, they said something to the effect that uh, I asked them, I said, you got 25 years of high-quality Broadcasting, They said, yeah, Ray, yeah, you've got about six years of high-quality broadcasting. I said, no, I've been with you guys 20. As we said, you have about six years. Hi, Tom, how you doing? Fine. You said 20 years out of high school? That's a lie. <laughs> well, I had my tongue in my cheek, and you couldn't see that. Oh. And my fingers okay. crossed. And my fingers crossed. No reverses. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the deal. Jesus lied in the Bible. He said uh, when he's, when they're on the road to Jerusalem or something, I forget the exact thing, but he says, uh, I'm going on to Nazareth or wherever. And then the Bible says, the next thing it says, whereas he knew he was actually going to Jerusalem. So he it's a definite lie. And then Tobit lied, too, 
when he, I forget the circumstance, but it's in there where he lies and he says he doesn't say who he is. He says he's someone else or something. And then there's also this too. Um, let's say uh, a secretary gets called. Can I speak to your boss? He's sitting right there, but he doesn't want to be interrupted. And she says, he's not in. Well, what she means is, well, he's not in for you. So You've piqued my curiosity, uh, Tom, on those scripture verses uh, on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I don't have the Bible in front of me. To, I think it's the road to Emmaus. And maybe they're going on the road to Jerusalem, and he says, I'm going on. And then he does... And then he says, yeah, even though he knew he was going to Jerusalem. So he definitely lied. It's a lie. I don't see how it could be anything else. You've piqued my curiosity, but my, my sense is that we know that Christ cannot sin. So somehow, some way in interpreting that context, hey, uh, let me see. I don't think Jimmy Aiken's listening. Uh, I would hope uh, one of our great theologians at EWTN <laughs> might be listening. David Anders, somebody! Get the Bible and call in here quick. I really want to know what Tom is referring to because our Lord is not going to deliberately lie. There was something in the context of what he said. But but even at that, are you saying, Tom, that uh, it is okay to lie given certain circumstances? Yeah, I would say that, like in the case of the Nazis or whatever, or anything where... Uh, one time we were at uh, had a meeting at work, uh, a personnel business thing, you know, wokeness, and they said uh, they said homosexuals was the topic and to be treat them right and et cetera, and they divided us into two groups and they said the homosexuals go to this room and the others go to the other room. Well, so if you were a homosexual, maybe you don't want to come out. So you went to the room with the heterosexuals. Well, that's essentially lying. It it's isn't. Falsehood. It isn't because that person has no right to make you say something that you don't wish to say. That's like somebody coming to me and saying, uh, Ray, do you hate your mother's guts? And I would say that's no concern of yours. So whether those persons identify right. themselves as hetero or homeless, there's no business of anybody else. I don't have to answer that question. Yeah, okay, that's true. I can't I corner you. I can't say, hey, Tom, do you think Ray is the most wonderful thing you've ever heard? And, and, you, and you want to say, absolutely not. But you don't say it because you don't want to hurt my feelings. So I have no right to force you into an answer. It's not my business. Do people have a right... To the truth, always? No. I mean, if it's none of their no. business? No. If somebody says to me, um, Ray, I think you really, really can't stand my cousin. And I want to know right now. What are your feelings towards my cousin? I don't have to tell him. Why would I have to tell him? What 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 go to do? Okay. There's a difference. There's a difference between somebody saying, "Okay, you need to answer me as I want to be answered." Well, no, I don't. No, I don't. It's the same thing with that mm -hmm. Nazi thing. 
you know, are you shielding Jews? Well, they don't have a right to know that. They think they do. Everybody asks you questions, thinks they have the right to know, or they wouldn't ask you the question. But they didn't have a right to know that. So then would that mean that someone who does not have the right to know something, you can tell them, you can lie to them? I don't have to tell them anything. I can refuse to well, answer. But then, like the man said before, though, they'll know. I mean, they'll know you're lying to them. When you say something like, Well, they can interpret, they can interpret what I say any way they want. If they say, Ray, I think you hate my cousin, do you? I, I'm not answering that. Ah, you must. No, I just didn't answer it. Well, sometimes you, not answering though is well, sure. an answer. It's, but it's not a lie. It's the other person's interpreting it as mm-hmm. a lie. It's not okay. a lie. I didn't say a lie. All right. Okay. Okay. You know, okay, you well, know this, as well as this, I do. There's a lot of feelings you have about a lot of people that you keep to yourself. Wisely so. Yeah. So if somebody would corner yeah. you and say, "What do you really think about them?" Do you do you think they're jerks? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to comment on that. Oh, you must think they're jerks. No, I just don't want to comment on that. Well, if you didn't think they were a jerk, you'd say they're not a jerk. Well, you think what you want. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna corner me into doing damage by something I admit to, and then my only alternative is to then lie. Well, I, I don't like either of those options. I'm not choo- mm-hmm. I'm not choosing your dichotomy. Okay. Good stuff. Back Good to stuff. Go yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to let you go, Tom, because okay. I'm up against a break. But I do appreciate that. Call me back because you got some good stuff there. Okay? Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And I'm not lying either. I mean it. Call me back. Uh, Marine, why couldn't you come and say it on the air? That's all I want to know, Marine. Hmm? I think you really don't think that because if you did, you'd call. This is Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this strange beatitude mean? Well, Father Victor Feltz points out that George Bailey, and It's a Wonderful Life, embodies this beatitude. He has to sacrifice his bucket list items and his dreams in order to save the building and loan company of Bedford Falls. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's truly the richest man in town. The Beatitudes challenge our understanding of happiness both as individuals and as a society. They're paradoxical, and they upend our priorities. We don't need anyone to tell us that good fortune, money, and success do often make us happy. But we wouldn't have thought that the road to riches in God's kingdom is paved with meekness. It doesn't mean denying your gifts, but it does challenge us to allow others to have the spotlight and to approach them with gentleness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. 
It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. I am torn whether to say this or not. It's not a lie, but I am torn to say it because it's probably going to uh, pretty much deep six my chance for the uh, Humility Award comeback. I've re-released a book updated uh, from 10 or 11 years ago. And new title, Standing Strong, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens. 70 of the most common discipline questions I get asked in raising teens, dealing with teens. Chores, respect, technology, confidence going against the tsunami of the cultural immorality. All those questions. And the book is supposed to do two things. One, to help you as a good parent stand strong against a culture no longer on your side. Give you the give you the spinal stenosis. Yeah, I shouldn't use that word. That's a, that's a pathology. Give you a, a spinal steel rod to help you have a spine that can stand up against that and the people who critique you and analyze you because you have high standards. And also... To get you to enjoy your teen because you have calm, confident authority. And once you got that, you can really enjoy that kid. You love them first, of course. But if you don't have authority, it gets really hard to like them. So the book really hits that hard. Uh, you can go many places. You can go to EWTN catalog. You can go to Sophia. Go to your local Catholic bookstore. You can go to my website, drray.com, if you want a signed copy. I sign all the books there. Gilbert from Texas. Hi, Gilbert. How are you? Fine. How you doing? Good, sir. Um, my question was um, about lying. When Jesus was on the when Pontius Pilate asked him, "Are you the Son of God?" He goes, "You you say that I am the Son of God. So is that considered lying?" No. No, he said basically, "You said it." Um, now, if Pontius Pilate wants to say, "Well, all he's doing." is he's he's sloughing it off on me but jesus was saying you said so are you the son of god you said it you know if somebody comes to me and says uh dr a do you really enjoy doing that radio program well you said it all sure. right i yeah. appreciate it appreciate your right. time god bless you god bless, bless you too. gilbert thank you thank you sir see that's a guy call i do this on the phone with my friends you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna go out and do a little bit of hitting, you know, for softball. Hey, Larry. Yeah. Ray. Yeah. You want to hit? Yeah. Where? Uh, clutch baseball. All right. What time? Ten. Good. See ya. Yeah. No verbs. No complicated sentences. No compound sentences. Conversation over in thirty-two seconds flat. Now, if you're a girl and coaching a girls softball team. Yeah, you got to get into a little more details, you know. But anyway, nice to have you. I don't have time to take another call, so I'm faced with about three minutes. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the whole lying thing. 
question the the commandment thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor so that that one's pretty specific you don't you don't essentially tell lies about someone to uh, have a, a, a deleterious effect you're going to hurt them by telling that lie but as traditional understanding has been and church teaching has been that that kind of expands to to lying in general not necessarily just false witness against your neighbor lying in general and so to i've, I've read i was reading in the journal first things which is kind of a heady journal which uh, sometimes i gotta admit i don't understand some of the articles but they had a debate on this very question from two perspectives talking about is it ever okay to lie and of course the, the standard example is the one that uh, max brought up which is well the case of the nazi who wants to kill and your lie will protect a human life that's a, that's a pretty concrete extreme example none of us none of us would be in that position is i think it's safe to say that i would never be in a position to have to tell a falsehood that would save somebody's life however as max and i talked it's not always that clear if someone says well it's okay to lie if good will come from it example just to use an everyday example if your spouse your female spouse says Do I look ugly in this outfit? Yes, you do. Now, <clears throat> what do you do in a situation like that? If you say no, but you think she does, you're lying, technically. If you say yes, and you have a spouse that you know is sensitive to her physical appearance and this is this is going to be taken as much more than just this this outfit makes me look bad i think i look bad in general and this outfit is just another example of me looking bad in general and you just confirmed it now you could say why do you think that and the comeback was from a previous call well now you've just admitted it the fact that you won't answer the question like a lawyer grueling grilling a witness just yes or no sir is that your book yes or no well the, the book was given to me by someone as I didn't really have it in my possession yes or no so these yes or no questions can be pretty sticky sometimes. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Hope to see some of you in Birmingham next week. Thanks for joining me. Walk with God. A true walk. 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.